This morning, I just want to ask a simple question, as I mentioned last evening, and it's simply this. is if uh, you've ever wondered what would be missing in your life if there was no Christmas. Imagine that for a moment. What would be missing in your life? What are some of the benefits that you've come to know and to enjoy, whether you're a believer or not, just living in a Judeo-Christian culture, or whether you are a, a child of God and you know the Lord and you walk with Him? Imagine some of the things that you'd be missing if there was no Christmas. Now, you may be thinking, well, the first thing that comes to mind is there wouldn't be any Christmas gifts or there wouldn't be a Christmas turkey or maybe there wouldn't be some time off of work. But I want to suggest to you that if there was not a Christmas, if Jesus had not come, that there'd be a whole lot of good things missing from our lives, a lot of things that we benefit from and sometimes we forget about that we would never have known and we certainly wouldn't be enjoying today. It's easy to take those things for granted. But again, I want you to think for a moment. I want to just share a few thoughts that come to my mind of what would be missing from our lives if Jesus never came, if there was no Christmas. The first thing that comes to my mind is that if there was no Christmas, if Jesus never came, the first thing missing from my life would be the fact that I would never know God. I would never know my Heavenly Father. I would never have the relationship with Him that I have today. The Bible says that Jesus gives us a living picture of actually who God is. Colossians 1 says that Jesus is the visible likeness of the invisible God. That's what the incarnation really is all about. The incarnation was that God, who lives in the spirit realm, which is greater than the natural realm in which we live, God became a human being in this world. But he didn't become a human being so that he could understand what it was like to be human. He became a human being so that we as humans could finally understand what he is really like. You see, at Christmas, we sing the song, Emmanuel. It's one of the names that was given to Jesus. Emmanuel means God is with us. And what that means is that he cared enough to come for us in this world when we were lost because he just so happened to believe that we are worth saving. You see, that is who God is. There are a lot of religions around the world, and unfortunately, even people who profess to be Christians who really don't know God, and they have all these different ideas of what God might be like or who he is or how he thinks or, or how he carries himself, but we don't realize that God is not just a projection of our humanness. God is not just a projection of our whims and our failures and our frustrations, our imperfections. That's not who God is. As we shared last week, the Lord says, hey, my ways aren't like your ways. I don't think like you think. I'm not just a projection of you. That's where a lot of Greek mythology comes from. That's where a lot, of, a lot of religions come from today. You see, the religions of the world, and all religion is, is, is man realizing there must be a creator, but he doesn't know him and doesn't know how to get to him. So he creates a religion which is basically a fabrication of God according to his own understanding. And that's what's so radically different about the Christian message. And as I said a thousand times before, if you're a Christian, you're not better than anybody else, but you're better off than everybody else because you have a relationship with God. It doesn't make me better than anybody. It simply means I have found the truth because the radical difference with Jesus Christ and every other world religion is that he comes to bring not religion. He comes to bring a revelation of who God is. And he brings it in a way, and he has done a work so that you and I can actually have a relationship with him, a relationship that's filled with love and with joy and with confidence that we know who our God is. And we can talk with him, and we can walk with him, and we can hear his voice. We can be led by him. We can be changed by him. Life is different because he is in our life. Jesus said in John 14, if you really knew me, then you would know my Father too. There's not a difference between us. 
You see, human mindset is that, well, God's kind of up in the clouds. You know, he's got that thunderbolt just ready to get you. But Jesus is kind of the good side of God. He's the blessed Jesus, meek and mild. So it's kind of like good cop, bad cop. You know, good God, bad God. Jesus says, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Everything you see in me, that's my Father. We're identical. The way I speak, the way I care, my tenderness toward people, my compassion, that's him. And in fact, he said, anything I do, I don't do of myself. I'm just being led by the Father. Everything I speak, it just flows from his heart. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you know me, you've known the Father. And the converse is also true. If you don't know the Father, you don't know me. You see, even if you call yourself Christian, even if you believe in the idea of Jesus, if you still have these human ideas of what God is like, it's because you don't know me. You don't know me. You've not had an encounter with me. You might believe academically the Christian theology, but you've not had an encounter with me. You need to know me, and I've made a way for you to know me. And so without Jesus, we'd never have known God's heart. We'd never have seen God's heart. Just think of some of the things that Jesus has said. You can, you can read hundreds of scriptures, but just a, a couple of things that Jesus said that reflected the heart of the Father. Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, he says, the devil, the enemy, the powers of darkness, they come for one reason. They come to steal from you. They come to rob. They come to destroy you if they can. But he says, not that, that's not why I came. I came to show you the Father's heart. What is the Father's heart? That you might have life in all its fall. That's why I've come. That's what I've come to show you. Jesus said in Matthew, 8, Matthew 11, he said, come to me. All of you who are tired of carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. I love what another modern translation says. He says, come to me, all you who are tired and burnt out on religion. Jesus hates religion. Jesus never brought religion. He didn't come to bring a new religion. And Jesus despises any brand of Christianity that devolves back into a religion, that devolves back into works. Anything that would contaminate the precious relationship that we have and our identity of what it means to be sons and daughters of God, that in any way that just gets decompressed, that somehow gets pushed down and suppressed, and we resort back to works. We resort back to people who profess to be Christians, but we have no confidence with God. We have, we have, we have no understanding of who we are, of what we carry, and we just go about and try to live a good Christian life. The Lord says, that's not me. That's religion. That's not what I've come to bring you. And so if Jesus had never come, we'd never known those things about the Father. But because we have Christmas, because Jesus came, it reminds us he came to show us what God is really like. And because we know what God is really like, we want to know him. Let me give you some practical ways, even if you're not a follower of Christ, let me give you some practical ways how Jesus Christ has changed the world in which you live, especially here in the Western culture. If there was no Christmas, the world would be so different today in ways that we can't imagine. For example, Jesus taught his followers from the very first days. He said, listen, if I really dwell in you, then you're going to be an example of my heart. Just as the, I showed the Father to the world, you're going to show me to the world. And one of the things you're going to have, because of the love you encounter from God, you're going to have love for everybody. You're going to have love even for those who hate you. You're going to be praying for those who persecute you and say nasty things about you. You're not going to post things on social media. You're going to bless them. You're going to pray for them. You're going to speak well about them. And you see, the early followers of Jesus in the first centuries, they decided to live out this idea. And how they lived out this idea was they created charities to help people. The word charity just comes from the word charis, from, from love. That's what it is. It's charities are just a demonstration of love. What is love? Love is patient. Love is kind. 
Love doesn't think about itself. It puts others' needs first. That's exactly what a charity is. But everything they did, even the early centuries, most often it ran against the cultural norms. You see, we forget that in non-Western cultures by and large, but it was this way centuries ago, that there were communities, there were nations where if you were a widow, if you were an orphan, if you had no parents, if you, if you were sick, if you were dying, if you were not yourself independently financially stable or wealthy, if you didn't have immediate family to take care of you, you were discarded. And it's still that way in many dark nations around the world. In fact, the psalmist said, the dark places of the world are full of cruelty. That's what the Bible says. It doesn't have the light. It doesn't have the expression of God's love. And so in those cultures, if you found yourself in that situation with no support system, what did you do? You fended for yourself, which meant that you either starved, you died, you begged, or you sold yourself into some form of slavery, whatever it may be, in order to make ends meet, in order to get by. But then along come these Christian people, these Christ followers. And they had this compassion. They had this love for those in need. Why? Because they have encountered the love of Jesus himself. They have so freely received, and they can't help but freely give that away. The Bible says of such people in Colossians 1, Jesus is in you, which means that you share in the glory of God. You see, the glory of God is not just something we get into in heaven one day. The glory of God has to do with the presence of God, the weight of God that he brings to your life, that sense of being established, of knowing who you are, of knowing what you possess, of knowing what you have to give away. You see, when Jesus comes to live in us, he doesn't want it to stop there. He comes to live within us. Why? That just like the Father in him, he might actually live through us. And what that means is that Jesus, if he's really Lord of my life, if he's really living within me, then you know what? I'm going to begin to see people like Jesus sees people. I'm going to begin to care for people like Jesus cares for people. I'm going to get up at the beginning of my day, and my heartbeat is going to be, Lord, yeah, you know what I got to do. I got to go to the work. I got to do the grind, the nine to five, whatever. But Jesus, I'm available. If there's anyone you would bring across my path, if there's anybody you would see that you would highlight to me, Lord, shine your light through me. Minister through me. Lord, let me believe you to do powerful things through my life today. And so you become that visible likeness of the invisible God to those who don't know him. In fact, in more recent history, just over these last hundred years or so, it was people who were followers of Jesus Christ who founded nearly every major charitable organization in the world. The Red Cross, Salvation Army, World Relief, World Vision, Samaritan's Purse, Food for the Hungry, Compassion International. Can you imagine what the world would be like today without any of those organizations at all? Do you realize the impact they make? Do you realize the millions of lives they touch? And they touch them, why? Because they were compelled by the love of God to reach out and to minister. It's because of Jesus. In fact, you may not believe this, but if Jesus had not come, there would not be a Planet Fitness. You wouldn't believe how many people from this church go to the gym. Now, I'm being half facetious, but the reality is, do you realize this, that the first official fitness center was started by a preacher, Dwight Moody. It was called the YMCA, the Young Men's Christian Association. That's what it stands for. And then later, the YWCA. It was founded by a man of God who understands that God doesn't care about your spiritual life. God cares about your life. Your spiritual life's part of that. But he cares for your spirit, soul, and body. 
He cares for our whole being, you see? And because he believed that, he started these organizations that spread around the world and became the template for many other facilities that have different names. And then, of course, there's education. Do you realize that for centuries, and it is still this way in many parts of the world, that you could not get an education if you were not wealthy, if you were not born into privilege? There was no hope. What does that mean? It didn't just mean you couldn't get a degree. It means there was no hope of you changing your life changing your caste system. There was no way for you to be elevated, to be lifted out of poverty by and large. And along come these Jesus followers. Along come these disciples of Jesus who say, hey, we need to get people lifted out. And it's not going to happen by just throwing money at them. It's going to happen by giving them the tools and the wisdom, the skills they need to begin to make a life for themselves and have a sense of pride for what they can do with what they have and what they know. And people began to get educated. They began to educate the children, boys and girls, all different ages, all different fields. In fact, history tells us of the first 123 colleges and universities that were founded not only in the Western world, but in third world nations, great universities back in the day like Oxford, Cambridge, Harvard, Yale, the list goes on and on and on. All those universities, they were founded by men and women of God. That's the only reason they were started. The only reason they are there is because of Christmas, because Jesus came. What a different world it would be. I mean, why do people even sing in secular circles that beautiful song, why can't every day be like Christmas, right? Because we all recognize there's something about it. Take any other holiday of any other faith around the world. It doesn't have the same, the same feel. There's something about Christmas. We had people here last night enjoying the dinner theater and, and just beginning to weep as that last song was sung, and I realized that there are actually people here who have never felt the presence of God before. I can't fathom that. It's been so long. We're so spoiled. They've never felt God's presence. They've never heard the gospel shared. And as Christians here, we have wonderful opportunities to communicate that in the days ahead. But because of Christmas, because Jesus came, we know what God is like. And that's pretty amazing. We get to carry this wonderful insight with us and share it with other people. You know what? If we really believed, I know this sounds crazy, but try it. If we really believed what we profess to believe, why in the world are we not trying to break the ice with every single person? Hey, supposed to get snow today. Yeah, yeah. Do you know Jesus? <laughs> I mean, they started the conversation. It's their fault. But right? I mean, what was it like when you first met your spouse? You know, that, that girlfriend, that boyfriend. How long did it take for the conversation to turn around to this amazing person that you love? And we're going to have that rubber trail. Okay. So the first thing that we're missing, if we don't know Jesus, is just the knowledge of who God is and his wonderful heart toward us. A second thing we've been missing is there was no Christmas it's the forgiveness of sins. I mean, just think for a moment of, the, of something that you have done that you regret. Just think of maybe that one thing that has the power to cripple you or to shame you or to shut you down, maybe emotionally, relationally, spiritually, whatever it may be. Think of that one thing and then think of what it would be like if Jesus had never come and if that one thing could never be forgiven. If that one thing, that one feeling, that one stronghold could never be broken, never be washed away, if there was no hope of change, imagine what that would be like. 
The guilt would always be hanging over your head. The shame and condemnation would never go away. You see, if Jesus had never come, there would still be lots of religions. Again, religion is just man creating God in his own image. That's all that is. There would be lots of religions. But if Jesus had never come, we would have never heard the words, for God loved the world so much that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him would not be lost, right? But you could be saved, born again. We would never have known that concept. We would never have known the next verse, which I love, which just says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. You see, without that revelation, we just still have this image of some God up there like Zeus just ready to fry us when we do something wrong. We'd never know. That's not God. God doesn't fry us like we shared last week. What does God do? He comes into the burnt building looking for us. And he picks up the pieces and cleans us off and restores us and makes us whole again. That's his heart toward us. But we would never have known that if it wasn't for Christmas, if it wasn't for the fact that Jesus came. Without Jesus, there'd be no talk of forgiveness, no concept of grace or mercy. All there would be, as there are in many religions, is this idea of justice, and one day you're going to get what you deserve. Can you imagine if he had never come, we would never have heard those words that Jesus spoke to the woman who was caught in adultery when everybody wanted to stone her, kill her for her sin, and Jesus says what? I do not condemn you. Go and be free from sin. That's the heart of God. That's not good God, bad God, good Jesus, bad Father. That's the Father. That's Jesus. That's what he's come to do. The Bible says in 1 John 3, see how very much our Heavenly Father loves us, for he allows us to be called his children. And I love the way John tacks on these extra words. Why? Because he understands in our humanness, we, just, we get the theology. You know, this is so wonderful that, that God has called us his children. Well, praise the Lord. Yeah, we understand theology. Jesus died, rose again, I put my faith in him, and my sins are forgiven, I'm a child of God. No, John goes, no, 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 you don't get it. We really are. <laughs> no, no, we really are. No, we're really his children. Do you get it? If you're a woman here this morning and Jesus lives in your heart, you are a daughter of God. You're the daughter of the Most High God. You are royalty. You're the daughter of the King. That's who you are. That's your identity. And if you're the son, it's the same for you. I just love John's heart. You see, John was known as the one who was closest to Jesus' heart, kind of, kind of Jesus' favorite. Why? Because he, he just had this love for Jesus. He understood Jesus' love for him. And yet even in that profound relationship he had, he still says, I don't get it. I don't get it. We're sons and daughters. We really are sons and daughters of God. And friends, there ought to be something in our heart if we know Jesus, if we've gotten away from that reality. We've got to get back to that and say, oh, Holy Spirit, I just pray for a fresh revelation of who I am in you, of my identity, of what you've done for me, what it really means that my sins are forgiven, that I'm a brand new creation. But God's love is about more than just forgiveness, as wonderful as forgiveness is. His love is also about the transformation that he brings into our lives. Look what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3. Our lives are gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become more like him. The Lord brings transformation to our lives. It starts with forgiveness, but he doesn't stop there. He doesn't say, come join a church. He doesn't say, come put your faith in me and there you go and just try to live by these rules. No, he says, now that I've forgiven you, 
I've washed the sins away. I've broken the strongholds. I've buried the past. As Paul says, old things have passed away. And then Paul says, but look. Look what's ahead of us. Look at all that is new, all that God wants to bring us into because my relationship with Jesus Christ is the forgiveness of my sin, the washing away of my shame, but also the transformation of my life ongoingly as I walk with the Lord from day to day. If there was no Christmas, that wouldn't happen. There'd be so much missing. Where's Luke? I keep picking on Luke. May just stepped out for a second. There you are, I'm on Luke. But uh, I had a chuckle. We, ha- we have... Uh, uh, dinner once in a while for all the construction workers across the apartment building there. We'll have them over and, and uh, give them some food and have some fellowship with them. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had them over for a nice hot bowl of, bowl of soup. And the project manager, great young guy, sensitive heart, Lord's still working on him, but uh, he came up to me just while the guys were eating. He said, he said yeah, he said, uh, you know that Luke guy, eh? I said, oh, yeah, Luke's been here for a little while. I can't believe the change in his life. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, it's been something. And he said, no, 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 you don't get it. <laughs> I've known this guy for five years. He's not the same guy. What's happened to him? He's radically different. You see, that's what Jesus came to do. Jesus did not come to give us religion. Religion has no power to change your life. That's why Jesus said to the religious leaders of that day, it was said, listen, you'll go halfway around the world to make a convert and then become twice the sons of hell that you already are. They become even more burdened by your own religion. Man doesn't need religion. He said, I've come to set you free from religion. I've come to show you who God is. I've come to show you that he's made a way by sending his son, that your sins can be forgiven. Your past can be buried. You can have a brand new life in me. You can be a child of God. It's all new. He'll restore you to everything he's made you to be and intended for you and gifted you to be. It's about transformation. But if Jesus hadn't come, we'd never know what God is really like. We'd never know what it is for sin and shame to be washed away. And finally, we'd never know what it is to have the hope of heaven. You know, we don't talk a whole lot about heaven, at least not as much as we should, but if Jesus hadn't come, there'd be no reason to talk about it because it wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't be ours. But imagine what life would be like if there was no hope of heaven. Imagine if there was no hope beyond this life. Imagine if you're sitting at a funeral and your loved one who died with their faith in Christ, imagine if if there was no hope of life beyond this, you'd never be reunited. Have you ever thought about that? You ever thought what it's like to actually sit in a service like that? Have you ever wondered why, if you don't know the Lord, how you can come to a Christian service and actually people can be worshiping God, can be happy, can be rejoicing? Because they know where their loved one is and they know they will be reunited with their loved one. We know that we're parted for a season. This isn't just mind games. You see, the reason that I know I'm going to see my loved one again, the reason why I know there's going to be a heaven, there is a heaven, is because as the Bible says, the Lord has deposited in my heart the Holy Spirit. And he is the down payment of the absolute certainty that one day I will be with him in heaven, that I will live forever. And I have that certainty, and I have that joy, and I have that peace that passes understanding. What does that mean? It means somebody looks at you and says, how in the world is your world not falling apart? You say, well, my heart heart is broken. I mean, I love this person. I'll miss being away. Just like when my kids go off to university, I miss them. But they're not dead. They're more alive than they are now. D.L. Moody once said, and I think he said it so well, he said, death is not passing from the life of the living to the land of the dying. It's going from the land of the dead to the land of the living. We understand that. 
God is the people of God. And that's not wishful thinking. It's not pie-in-the-sky stuff. Because every day as I walk with Jesus, I'm reminded of how real he is, how precious he is, how close he is. That's why the Apostle Paul said, hey, as long as I'm in this life, I'm glad to do what the Lord needs me to do and touch lives and be used by God. Oh, but I can't wait till I leave this world. To be with the Lord is far better. Far better. My friend, you get to heaven, you ain't going to want to come back. I promise you. I'll miss you, honey, but I won't want to come back. Because Jesus came, all those things have changed. We get to have an abundant life in this life now while anticipating the life to come that Paul says no eye has seen and no mind can even begin to imagine. When I was a kid, no different than you guys, my grandmother used to call me her little demon, but... uh, I think that was just to get, you know, under my mother's skin because my grandmother wasn't a Christian, so. <clears throat> but uh, probably like you, we used to, at Christmas time, hunt for gifts. You do that? You know, your parents got all the gifts hidden, so you're looking all over the place. And I was pretty good until they started putting it in the attic, and I couldn't get up in the attic. So I'd be looking everywhere, and I'd finally find them, and I'd see the gifts, and I'd, I'd find the ones with my name on it, and I knew they were for me. And a lot of times they could figure it out. You know, you're shaking them, feeling them, because, you know, probably two months before, we had circled our gifts on the Sears wish, you know, catalog, wish book, right? So we kind of had a general idea of what we were going to get, but sometimes my parents would get tricky, and they would kind of unpack them, put them in a different box, or put a couple together, make it feel different. But, you know, after several visits, I'd kind of shaking, feeling, trying it out, you know, I, I feel like, okay, I probably know what this is. But I knew I could not unwrap it until Christmas Day. And because of Jesus, my friends, we have the gift of heaven. We're not unwrapping it yet, but we know there's a day coming that we are going to unwrap that gift of heaven. We know the day is coming. Why? Because our name is in the book of life. Our name is on that gift, right? I haven't seen it yet. I can only imagine what it's going to be like, but I know it is mine, and there's no doubt whatsoever that one day the Lord is going to reveal that to me. In fact, I think I was saying in the first service, maybe just said a couple of minutes ago, I don't know what I'm saying. But can you imagine? Did I mention Psalm 116, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints? Okay. Well, Psalm 116, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. I must have said it in the first service, not in my notes. But I just thought, you know, can you imagine what it's like? I mean, here we are. And the Lord understands. He understands our sorrow. He understands our limited understanding. But here we are. A loved one passes away who knows the Lord. Or maybe we're kind of, you know, staring at death ourselves, perhaps. And the Lord understands, again, all of our limited understanding. So we deal with all those real emotions. The Lord is there to comfort us. But can you imagine on his side of things, when he knows what you're going to step into? Do you think God is, is up there going, oh, you're going to die? <laughs> no. He's saying, come on, let's go. I've got all this stuff. Once you step in here, you have no idea what's waiting for you. And friends, when we step into eternity, it's going to be like, oh, wow, wow. It's like that guy that got to heaven, and he got really upset with his wife. You probably heard that story, right? And he said, I can't believe all those years. If you hadn't made me eat bran, I'd be here 10 years ago. <laughs> right? And, and the Lord is saying, listen, I understand your, your limited understanding. I understand your sorrow and pain. But I want you to understand something. Once you step across that threshold, you are going to be amazed 
at what is waiting for you. Let that hope fill your heart. Let that hope comfort you and encourage you and give you strength to be my witness. Peter said, we are looking forward to God's promise of new heavens and of a new earth afterwards where there will be only goodness. Imagine that. The world is coming, my friends. It's going to be only goodness. One last scripture, second last. I'll get you to read it with me, though. In Revelation, one of my favorite scriptures, Revelation 21, it's a scripture that John shares prophetically that God is one day going to speak. But as I was reading that scripture, I thought, you know what's so amazing? As beautiful as the scripture is, the day is coming when I'm actually going to hear my heavenly Father speak these words. My own ears are going to hear these words come from the throne. Will you read these words with me? The home of God is now among men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people. Yes, God himself will be among them. He will wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, nor pain. All of that has gone forever. Hallelujah. You see, because of Christmas... Because Jesus came and because he comes to us every single day to every heart that is open to receive him, because of that, we get to know what God is like. Because of that, we get to know what it is for our sins to be forgiven, for those strongholds to be broken. We get to know what it's like for people to say of us, man, I don't know what happened, but you're not the same person anymore. We get to live without shame. We get to live without fear. We get to live a life that's being transformed and becoming more and more full and more and more beautiful, more of everything God's intended for us. And the cherry on the cake, when it's all done, we get something even better. We get to go to heaven to be with the Lord. And that's not just pie in the sky, harps in the clouds. That's not what heaven is. Heaven is a kingdom that is more real and more tangible than this world lives in, this world that we live in. And we will have more of a sense of purpose and of fruitfulness and fulfillment that we can possibly imagine. We will live and reign with God in this kingdom for eternity with whatever else he has in mind. We don't know. But all of these are gifts of God to you. But there are also things, my friends, that are missing in your life if you don't have Jesus. I've said it a thousand times. I'll say it again. If you have Jesus, you're not better than anybody else, but you are better off than everybody else. But God makes no distinction. He says, God loved the world so much that he gave his only son so that whoever will place their trust in him, you won't have to be lost. You can be saved. You can be forgiven. You've just got to put your trust in him so that you will not perish. You won't be separated from God, but you will have life for eternity. And you know the beautiful thing is? Eternal life doesn't start when you die. Eternal life begins the moment Jesus comes to live within you. You live forever, and you have a divine quality of life. One last scripture, 1 John. Will you read it with me? God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has God's son has life. Whoever does not have his son does not have life. I hope that you're celebrating Christmas to its full this week. But you know what Christmas is? It's a celebration of the king. That's what we celebrate. We celebrate the fact that because Jesus, as we sang in the first song, because the light of the world has come, the darkness will never be the same again. And he begins by dispelling the darkness in your heart. And he fills your heart with light and with love. 
And then everywhere you go, he begins to dispel the darkness. Dispel the darkness. He changes your home. He changes your workplace. He changes your neighborhood. He changes your office, wherever it may be. He begins to change, and the light begins to spread. The light of the world has come. What a joy we have as people that know Jesus to carry this precious treasure that everywhere we go, whatever folks are going through, we can show care and compassion. We can listen. And then at the end of the day, we can say, yes, but Jesus Jesus came. It doesn't have to stay this way. Jesus came. You don't have to remain the same. Jesus came. That's what Christmas is all about. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask the ministry team to come as we close our service. If you need to slip out, feel free as the team sings in just a moment. But if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I'm not asking you to join a church or a religion. I'm just simply asking you if you would like to have a revelation of his love for you, if you'd like to know the forgiveness of your sin, if you'd like to know what it is just for those things that keep you locked down, finally broken once and for all, that you can begin to live in the freedom for which he's made you free, I want to invite you to come. We'd love to pray with you. If you have sickness in your body, we believe the Lord heals. We see it time and time again. Whatever your need may be, we'd love to join with you and pray and just invite Jesus afresh. So as we close this morning with this song, would you just... If you're comfortable in doing so, just cup your hands before the Lord and say, Lord, I just open my heart to receive you afresh. Lord, my prayer for every one of us here this morning is that we would be Christmas people. Christmas people, Lord, everywhere we go, people would know there are now divine options because Jesus Christ has come, the light of the world. And Lord, we just want to receive you afresh. We want a fresh sense of expectation, a fresh sense of appreciation of what it really means to be a follower of Jesus Christ what it really means to be a Christian. Lord, may we live in that revelation, and may we look for opportunities to share it with others. So great is your love. In your precious name I pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you this morning. Thanks for listening to the GT Moncton podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to get the sermon as soon as it's released. If you have any questions or want to get connected, go to gtmoncton.com. For live streams and other videos, check out the GT Moncton YouTube channel and follow us on social media at GT Moncton to stay up to date on what's going on. God bless.